And I learned, especially after the first spread goodness day in March of 2018, um, 100%, I realized that I was trying to empower other people to understand the difference they could make. And I ended up empowering myself to believe it. Yeah. I. I created something that empowered people and that made me feel powerful. Like I, I can change the world. Hi, welcome to the Melrose show. Melrose here. If you've listened to this intro before, you can click the forward button now eight times to get to the start of this episode. So before this version of myself, I was an artist, fashion designer, professional model, TV personality, small business owner, real estate agent, placement agent, and an institutional financial advisor, all before stepping into my current role, which I love in investor relations and podcasting professional. Woo! It was a wild ride to get here. And after all those jobs, living in six countries, 16 different cities, and trying on many versions of myself, I have found that the best place to live is comfortably in my purpose and in a space and a community that allows me and wants to see me grow. And I want the same for you through my highly versatile career path and working with others on their dreams along the way, I decided to start this podcast to try to help people understand that life is not a race, it's a marathon, career is not a ladder, it's a jungle gym, and that I really believe truly the best way in life is following curiosity. My curiosity has me focused on career, plants, shadow light and integration work, art, permaculture, and community building. These are my purposes in life. And for me, they all go together. They're topics that we will explore together throughout time on this podcast. And I come here to connect you to unique ideas from incredible people. The aim is to help us all grow more into our purpose-driven lives. This podcast supports a community of amazing humans that meet on full moons to howl and heal. We are a global community. Many are interviewed on this podcast. And I invite you to join us offline after the show. Now, sit back, relax, and enjoy this exploration journey with people from around the world who have self-actualized in their lives in some way. Hopefully, they will inspire you in your own authentic journey. Enjoy! Hey, everybody! Today, we are joined by Anna Dravlin. She is the founder of a nonprofit called Spread Goodness Day and the owner of a small business called Goodness and Greens. She is a disabled stroke survivor based in Marquette, Michigan, and we are so excited to have you on the podcast today. Thank you for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited um, to share with you and, and learn together. Yes, we are too, and this is going to be such an amazing episode. We had an amazing conversation to get ready for the podcast, and I just want to start out with um with your backstory. So can you just give us a little insight into your background as to how you came to these roles? Absolutely. Um, and it's, it is kind of a, it's a, an interesting ebb and flow of how things uh, started and how they have continued. Um, very, very much unexpected uh, paths that I had to follow. So um, I graduated from, um, I'll start with, like, I graduated from college at 32 and um, was on a very fantastic career track. I was 
just everybody, everybody knew it. I was moving up and I was in the right career. Um, and at 34, I had received a raise in the senior, uh, senior employee at the travel bureau that I worked at. And I was feeling like everything was going in the right direction. I launched my, my nonprofit event, my Spread Goodness Day at the end of October in 2017. And it felt like the, the world was going exactly where I was supposed to. Um, and as life will have it, um, things changed very quickly. <laughs> um, on November 16th, on two, 2017, I got up uh, to leave for work and I liked, I walked to work because I, I lived close and I just love, I love walking. <laughs> um, and uh, I knew I was in trouble. I knew I had a, my pain in my head and my neck were so severe that I knew something was wrong, but I, I wanted to push through it. Um, and I just believed I had a concussion from a head injury a few weeks ago earlier. So, um, I got about one block from my home and I lost the right side of my body to paralysis and I screamed out for help and nothing came out of my mouth. Um, so I collapsed to the ground and, and when you're in that situation, um, uh, I was having a massive stroke, uh, and you don't think about calling 911, you, you can't think about what you're supposed to do to help yourself in that moment because your brain is misfiring and it's, and it's trying to kill you. Um, so I had a, a blessing and a curse in this moment is that the one car that went by me on this side street in the morning was a nurse at our university, um, a professor. And she just happened to notice that my fall was very unusual. And she turned, you know, saw me in her rearview mirror and she came back for me. And uh, I was in the hospital within 10 minutes uh, where I was uh, treated for um, a massive stroke and, and <laughs> closed the door and my dog <laughs> came in. Um, uh, so uh, when I woke up from all of the treatment, <laughs> um, when I woke up from uh, from being put under and, uh, I was in the IC for, uh, I, 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 stroke, da -da. um, <laughs> ICU, uh, I don't remember a thing in the ICU. I just remember being put into critical care and things from that point. But, um, I woke up half paralyzed. I couldn't use uh, or feel the right side of my body. And my speech was so disrupted that I couldn't even ask to go to the bathroom. Uh, most of the time, I couldn't recognize the picture of a cat, uh, and I couldn't tell you what my last name was or my phone number. Um, so in those days, it was very much, you know, of all the things that you experience and fear of losing, once you're in that moment, the things that are really important to you become the focus is um, I realized that I was devastated at the idea of losing my nonprofit. I had just launched it a few weeks earlier and uh, we had such great traction going and I, I was devastated of losing my ability to do that, even though I was also unable to walk um, or, or think properly. Um, but it, it, be, gave a hundred thousand percent clarity to the things that I am passionate and committed to. Um, and that really propelled me forward in my recovery. Um, wow. Oh my gosh. 
Okay, so just to recap, you were in community engagement, you were in event management and PR, you had like this rising star career after kind of doing a little wandering and soul searching for a few years. And you're, you had an accident a few weeks prior where you had hurt your neck, right? Yep, I had fallen and I, I got knocked out and the way I fell, it just, it, um, it actually tore my carotid artery in half. Wow. And okay. And so you're having this stroke and you're like in the middle of having a stroke and you don't really know you're having a stroke. And you had said to your friends earlier, you told me that you're like, the only way I'm going to the hospital is if my head explodes. Yep. Um, I walked around for three weeks, just thinking I had a severe concussion and, and then really literally said those words to my friends. It's like, I don't have insurance, not dealing with it. Um, oh and God. then, and then my head exploded. <laughs> Uh, and that moment was, uh, it was a very much the, the, the come to Jesus moment was when I heard the ambulance coming and the nurse that had found me said, do you hear that? They're coming to help you. They're coming for you. And I just broke down sobbing. And I said, I don't have insurance. So literally like my, I'm dying. I'm paralyzed. Uh, I don't even know if I, if what I said actually came out correctly because I found out later it was just gobbledygook coming out of my mouth yeah that's um, what you thought you were saying exactly that's uh the thing about a stroke that people don't realize is that um you may be able to in your brain the message is being sent but the message is received incorrectly and does not come out of your mouth the correct way oh my um, god that must be so frustrating um I and I, one other thing you told me is like, when you realized that you were alone on this street and that you saw a car coming and your body was paralyzed, you like threw yourself towards the car, but like you missed. And so you <laughs> fell. And then, so this woman who was like kind of an angel happened to be on the street in the middle of Marquette, Michigan, which what is the population of Marquette, Michigan? Like 25,000. Um, and it was, it was literally a side street at eight 30 in the morning. There's no traffic on this street and, um, looking and it was cold. It was the first day it snowed, um, for the season. And, uh, it is an absolutely terrifying experience to realize that you are in severe trouble and you don't have a way to get help. Um, so that nurse that came, um, she did not just show me professionalism. She, she showed me kindness. And she showed me love. She laid right down on the ground with me, oh. held me in her arms and just kept telling me it's going to be okay. Well, I, well, I, well, I sobbed in her arms and, and tried not to die. How long were you in the hospital for? I was in the hospital for 21 days. Um, and I, I would like to, uh, it's been a miracle, um, an absolute miracle to wake up paralyzed and with such severe cognitive and uh, mental and physical deficits when I was a very high functioning, extremely hardworking kind of go-getter getter girl. And to be trying to, uh, in your mind thinking, like trying to convince yourself and that you can be okay with this life, that I don't have to give up being happy and trying to say, oh, okay, I can be in a wheelchair. Um, I can live this way. I can be okay if I'm in a nursing home. I, 
I can be okay if I can never sing and dance again. And you're and literally trying to just compel yourself to believe that it will be okay no matter what, while you are still kind of fully devastated and your body is fighting to get as much back as possible. And um, I will never, ever, 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 ever forget. Um, it was probably about four, fourth, fourth or fifth day in recovery. They'd come in every day, the neuro exam, and they'd say, you know, wiggle your toe. Every day they'd say, wiggle your toe and nothing would move, which is, which is a bizarre feeling when you look at your foot and you're like, yeah, Ooh. and nothing moves. Um, so the one day that one day they came in and my toe wiggled, just my big toe. And it was like, none of us knew if that was going to lead to walking. None of us knew if that was going to lead to how much recovery, but it was, but it was the beginning. And within one week of that toe wiggle, I was walking. Um, and within 14 days of the injury, I was walking, I was walking without an assistive device. Wow. Um, and some people never get there after a stroke. Correct. I, I think I, I was very blessed that um, I had a young brain. Young brains uh, tend to recover faster than elderly brains. And I was very healthy. I was very strong and fit uh, and very, I'm, I'm, I'm a fighter, you know, that you get a, you got to work pretty hard to get me to slow down. And I wanted to walk. Uh, and I wanted my job back. Uh, I was, I was very adamant in all of my uh, therapies. Um, there was endless therapies. It was five months of consistent therapy of six to 10 appointments a week. Um, and all I could talk about is getting back to my job. Um, it, it definitely propelled me and, uh, and spread goodness day, having that to be able to work on and develop and see people engaging with the goodness um, and really and helping me make sure it stayed alive, mm. brought me so much healing and so much commitment to getting as much out of my life as I possibly can, no matter, no matter what I was going to be left with. Um, wow. Cause you were killing it at work. You had three promotions in a year and a half and you were like, had your own company on the side, like a nonprofit that was helping people. And so like, also just we'll back up really quickly. Cause I just want people to understand like the kind of kid you are, you have how many brothers? Oh yes. I have six brothers and one sister, um, played ice hockey for 13 years. I'm a little bit of a I'm a little bit hardcore. I love the story you told me with your dad with the like, I think I'll be home late for dinner. Oh yeah, with my with my st my stitched up hands. Um, if you want, I can tell the story. Well, tell the story just so people know how badass of a family you come from and how badass you are. And then we'll move into Spread Goodness Day because I want people to know the nonprofit, but I want people to know a little backstory about like, grew up with six brothers, you played ice hockey, you're from Northern Michigan, Michiganders unite, but like, I left Michigan the day I turned 18. Now I'm like, I'm not tough enough for winter, but like you embrace this story. story. True story. Um, well, you know, I figure, I figure we earn our summers here. You know, we get through winter and then we deserve the amazing, incredible summers we get. Um, but uh, whatever, whatever helps you do winter, you just keep telling yourself. Right. We, we got to talk ourselves into something to get through it. Um, 
So, uh, so the backstory of basically it's a great example of the type of person I am and how I was raised to be strong and perseverant is uh, I played ice hockey for 13 years and uh, one day I was at a hockey game and I um, very quickly took my glove off to pick up my stick, which is a, a, a single second move. It takes like one split second to do. But at that exact moment, I had knocked down another girl and she had kicked her foot up to try to um, just get up and her and her skate caught my hand and sliced it right open. So, um, of course, uh, obviously, I, I left the game. We got my me wrapped up in a dirty hockey sock, which was you, but um, got to the emergency room. We stitched it up and I called my dad and I said, hey, dad, and he said, Hey, don't you have a hockey game? And I said, yep, yep, uh, I'm in the emergency room. And he said, oh, what'd you do this time? <laughs> I said, I got my hand sliced open by a hockey skate. And he goes, so you're gonna be home a little late then? <laughs> and I'm, I just sat there for a moment and I was probably 18, I think, 18 or 19. And I was like, I guess so. <laughs> and, you know, I'm, I was, medicated I was stitched up with one hand and I was still wearing half of my hockey equipment covered in blood so uh I hopped in my my little white Ford Escort and I drove the 30 miles home in a snowstorm um and it was a very strange feeling you know because in that moment sometimes you think you want them to come coddle you and save you but I was fine I was able to do it and um in many ways, it's taught me to make sure I, I really consider what I'm capable of doing and what I'm capable of uh, getting through without um, needing the support of others. And I don't negate um, support. I have an amazing support system, but I think it's really powerful when you find your strength through some of these challenges where you, you might not otherwise you might not otherwise see it that way. <laughs> yeah, like, had you been coddled your whole life, which you clearly weren't with six brothers and a dad just like that, it's like, just drive yourself home, honey. Yeah, like, see you, see you soon. Maybe it all like served the purpose for you to like survive this experience. You know, like you have an amazing, they're amazing support systems, but they've also made you pretty tough. I mean, I would have been like, well, how long until you get here, you know? <laughs> yeah. But uh, I'm very blessed in it. I and the, and he's a loving man, and he's a good father. Um, and he he raised me to be uh, a tough little cookie. Yeah, and you are one tough little cookie. So tell us about Spread Goodness Day. Like, where did the idea come from? Because you started it before your stroke, right? Um, yeah. So I actually um, the term Spread Goodness kind of just kept coming back into my heart and in my life for like the ten years. But roughly 10 years before, as I, I was very strong into volunteering, I volunteered for dozens of nonprofits for their events, particularly for fundraisers. Uh, and I just, it was just so deeply connected. And I wanted something, uh, I realized I wanted to create something that supported all nonprofits and, and a variety of community engagement, um, because I never could pick a favorite. I could never just you know, I, and I'm not saying it's bad. Lots of people commit their lives to an animal shelter. They commit their lives to Big Brother's Big Sister. They have their, their passion and they stick to it. And I never, I loved them all. And I wanted to find an outlet and the source to invite 
the whole world to, to really support who they are passionate about. So um, in early 2017, I finally landed on uh, an event, an event day. Um, that was, you know, that was my career. I did event consultation, marketing, PR, and community relations. So it was um, doing something that was up my alley, natural to me, and uh, created a simple platform. My goal was always to um, just build a platform that shines a light on the good that others do. Um, so we invite the whole world. Uh, it's the second Friday of March every year, and we invite the whole world to come and just explode goodness into the world with us uh, and show the power we have to change the world every single day with simple actions. Um, we have a very bright, warm, sunny um, brand, and we have these, I don't think I have any near me at this moment, but um, we have these adorable recyclable uh, sunglasses that we make every year because we're making the future so bright, you're gonna need shades. Um, <laughs> And I believe in that. I believe in the power of goodness. And I think it's super, super important to empower people to, uh, to understand the impact that they can make on the world. Uh, when we feel a little powerless, when we feel a little weak, and we feel like the world is out of control, we have choices we can make literally every second of the day to make it better for ourselves, for our neighbors, for the world. Um, so it was such a pleasure building it. Uh, and um, it was a little shy starting to talk about it while I was building about it because it was so cheesy. You know, <laughs> it's so cheesy, right? So I'm getting, I'm on panels and they're asking and I was like, well, I better start talking about it because yeah, otherwise I get it. But I don't, I don't think you're asking a lot for people to take one day where they devote you know, their actions towards helping people. I think that's the bare minimum that people should be doing. But I love that you said that the goal is to empower people every day to know that their actions have power. And yeah. to me, that's something that's so important from your, your from everything that you're doing, your ethos and your mission and everything that you're doing. It's so interesting because even before your stroke, you had this idea, but it's almost like this stroke has empowered you to really spread, spread that message um, and tell people that, you know, this message that, look, I look normal. I look like, you know, you're walking around, you're, you're talking normal for the most part. And like people think that you're gonna, uh, you're gonna function on a regular level, even though, you know, you couldn't go back to work. So we'll talk about that. But my point is that you're, you're this is like keeping a little light on for you you know it's like something that you set up before your stroke that would keep you in your life which is so beautiful um and i think that um and i learned especially after the first spread goodness day in march of 2018 um 100% i realized that i was trying to empower other people to understand the difference they could make and i ended up empowering myself to believe it yeah. i I created something that empowered people and that made me feel powerful. Like I, I can change the world. Um, and whatever that means, uh, a gentleman that help, has helped me in the beginning, a friend and he owns the t-shirt company that I work with. We had a drink a few months before I launched and he said, so what is success for you, Anna? What are you, what is your goal? And I was like, well, I'm shooting for a million, but I'll be happy with 20. 
and he kind of looked at me funny and he's like, what are you 20? And I was like, it's not about spreading the most goodness. It's about spreading goodness. Um, if my mission compels 20 people to be kinder that day and to empower themselves, that is absolutely a success. Uh, and of course, um, I've been blown away. We have recorded hundreds of thousands of acts of goodness over the last three years. Wow. Uh, so uh, just even though we had to change the way we do it completely, because my deficits made me a little bit less of an organized rock star. <laughs> and I, and I, I rely on a lot of people to, to uh, help, help keep this a, a functioning beast. Okay, so let's talk about that. So what happened when you got home from the stroke and you tried to go back to work like, like, and be, yeah. you know, quote unquote normal? Well, um, that's something that I think is, this is, this is a message that I really want to get across to people that have friends and family members with, with, with disabling brain injuries is um, I did five months of therapy um, before I was cleared to try to go back to work. And as I said, it was six to 10 appointments a day or a week. And then there was the at-home exercise. Uh, and at that stage in my life also, I needed closer to 16 to 18 hours of sleep a day. Um, so uh, I went back to work, uh, actually, um, uh, in April, April Fools, I said, no joke, guys, I'm going back to work tomorrow. And what happens is that you realize your limitations when you start to use your brain. Um, so uh, I was very blessed by my, my employers were very kind to me. They gave me every single accommodation I could, could possibly have asked for and didn't ask for dictation software. I had an assistant to, to produce the content I was responsible for. I was leaving whenever I wanted to because I was not well, leaving to go to the emergency room, missing entire weeks of work. I couldn't follow more than three people at a time. So the board meetings and the regular meetings I would usually have uh, were making me sick. Um, I, cause uh, it's called overstimulation. You, your brain just can't process information like that anymore. Um, they even, they would even turn lights off for me during meetings because of my severe light sensitivity. And, um, I tried for three months. I, I, we, we changed the schedule several times. We changed the expectations. They took tons of things off my plate. And it became very clear uh, later in the game that they were never going to let me go. They were going to wait until I decided that it was over. Um, and that day, that day will live in my mind forever as, uh, as a devastating loss. Uh, the day I had to call my boss and say, I can't do this anymore. Um, uh, it's definitely felt like a little piece of me died that day. Um, that was my career. It was my love. And I, I, oh, I got to meet people from all over the world and share my community with them, which just brought me so much joy. Um, so, uh, so that career ended. Um, and then I continued to work with the Michigan Rehabilitation Services that they, they assist people with disabilities to find work placement. Um, 
we never were able to land on something that would be stable because I am very volatile. Uh, uh, I don't, I don't think we need to get into like all of the million things that are deficits from the stroke, but um, employment became impossible. So they closed my case. Um, and I never like gave up. I've still got hope. I, I still feel like I have skills that are valuable and that I just need to find the right path, which um, as I, as we'll talk about is I have found a, a, a company and a, and a job that I feel really proud of and that I can work with um, when I'm well with the time and energy I have that I'm not accountable to a time clock or a boss or a deadline or assignments. I do what I can do when I can do it. Yeah, and that was really interesting. So when you say you're very volatile, you have a volatility of energy. So you have neuro fatigue. So yes. that most strokes, most stroke survivors need at least 12 hours of sleep a day. Um, um, that can that can vary with with social. Some some suffer from insomnia. Um, there's some. It's very common for stroke survivors, but it's not a across the board okay. guarantee. But what you were telling, I just want to give people an idea of like people who have had strokes in their you know 30s and 40s, they may look normal, but there mm -hmm. are there are you know there is a true disability here. And so one of the things you said is that you know you want to spread awareness of what stroke survivors go through. So mm -hmm. what are some of those things? I love your battery reference. You want to give that one? Oh, yes, absolutely. So um, just starting with that, um, the the energy is is definitely one of the most one of the most frustrating and disabling issues um, because a normal person starts with it like you get about a 16 hour battery a day. Um, and you know, towards the end of that 16 hours, that's when you're depleted. And when you're uh, when you've had a stroke or a severe brain injury, you basically have a four-hour battery, um, and and I, I have found that to be very accurate and true in my life. That my average of usable energy and mental strength is typically about four hours a day. Um, so it's hard for the overachiever in me, but as you adapt to it, you you just have to adapt to it. Um, and then you also reading is hard. Yep. Um, the particular part of my brain that was hit is called the parietal lobe. Um, and it, uh, it affected my vision. I have, uh, my pupils are actually different sizes, um, which freaks people out like all the time. But um, I, I can read like a paragraph at a time, but long form reading, um, it just blurs up and I can't sentences over and over again. So um, again, it's, I, I would really, I, I really want to share some of the more common deficits, but the truth is that brains are so complicated and so weird that to encompass the, the true impact of, of the brain injury on everybody is fairly unique, um, and to, to each survivor. And that's because you have five sections of the brain that control different functions and a stroke can attack mm -hmm. multiple or just one area of your brain. So you had multiple, you had three parts of your brain hit, right? Yes. And so, I mean, that's going to affect multiple aspects of your life and your body. 
Um, so it just depends on where the stroke strikes in your brain, right? So, and the, so if it hits, so in the, in the funny way, so the, the left side of your brain actually controls the right side of your body and the right side of your brain controls the left side of your body. So my stroke hit my left, so I left, I lost my right side. Um, and a lot of the more common um, post-stroke symptoms are uh, neuropathy, which is uh, a pain signal that's being sent. It's a misfired message from your brain uh, when you're supposed to feel a sensation like, like I touched, say I touched my sweater. Um, it's supposed to feel like a sweater, but um, it can sometimes feel like I'm being stabbed. Um, when I touch something soft, or particularly if you touch something hot or cold, um, it can be excruciating because the brain is broken and it's sending um, broken messages to your body. Uh, I have severe chronic muscle spasms because of the paralysis. Um, I recovered the, the movement, but it left my, uh, the brain damage left, my, left me in a position that when I move or touch or do things, my brain sends spasm, spasm. Uh, so there's, uh, you no longer have, a, uh, you don't have control over your brain anymore. Um, it is, there are pieces of it that are broken and scarred over and. And I, one of the you and I had talked about was that one of the things you wanna educate people about post-strokes because the medical teams mm -hmm. understand more signs for when people are not have a stroke and treating when people are having a stroke, but there's mm -hmm. not information out there for the public and people, their friends and family about stroke um, life and how to help and, and, and encourage people who maybe are operating on that quarter battery, you know, I mean, that's something that really we as a society need to be uh, very conscious about. Absolutely. And um, in my advocacy to educate people, um, it is, uh, I really would like to raise suicide awareness for post-stroke and TBI. Um, you are more uh, twice as likely to commit suicide after a brain injury um, because uh, just because you can't see it doesn't mean that it's not there and that it's not devastating your entire life. Um, there is, um, there's a lot of information available, but um, I need, what I need from people and, and what I really want from people to do is to uh, listen to these, to these podcasts and, and listen to survivors talk about their experiences and the disconnect they have with society um, because of their injury. Like when you are overstimulated and you, you try to go somewhere when you become overstimulated, um, noise becomes unbearable, lights become unbearable, and sometimes you just need to abruptly leave a situation. Uh, it can be uh, unsettling for people around you. Um, they, they can't see it, and we, we have a very tangible world in this day where we are very visually um, connected to what we are, what we experience, um, and nobody can see your brains. Um, some of the stroke survivors have remaining facial droop, um, and some of them have a little limp. But for the most part, you'll never see the damage that that people are suffering with. You can't tell that my eyes um, don't process things properly. You can't tell that I can't feel my right hand. 
um, you, you'll never be able to understand like why I can't. So I can, when I talk, I, if I'm just living in it and I'm talking normal, I, I sound very normal, but if I have to read off of a paper or a, uh, a prepared statement or, or a, a topic that it's not as, as easy for me to just go with, right. um, my speech deficits come back very significantly. Um, and I'm one of the lucky ones. Um, I am disabled, but there are people who don't have a voice. They don't have the ability to cognitively communicate this to the general public or even their families. So I feel like I, people with a voice uh, like, like me, I can speak and I can share and educate people. I just, um, my prayer is that people will hear me and absorb it and, um, and try to use it to be more understanding and supportive of the, of the brain injured community they might be engaged with. said before when we spoke you said respect people and the limits that they're communicating to you and I think that yeah. this is that's so important because when somebody who has a disability that you know you you accept that you look healthy but your brains are on the inside and mm -hmm. when you need to leave a situation and you abruptly leave it's not personal it's because you are communicating to them that that is a limit that you've reached you know and there has to be compassion mm -hmm. So, and and you have to have your your ears and your heart open to yes. um, believing in something that you don't understand. Period. Nobody will ever understand until they experience it. And I tell them not to try. They say, "Oh, I just can't imagine what you're going through." And I say, "Don't try. You don't want to." I said, "Just just just listen to me and respect the boundaries that I'm asking you to respect." Um, and even when you're communicating verbally to people, um, I've had the strangest responses uh, as I communicate the difficulties or the deficits. And I've had people say, so you feel like you still feel like you had a stroke? You feel like you still have a brain injury? And I'm like, oh, no, I and I try to be kind because because they don't understand. And the only way we can teach them is with a kind voice and a clear message. Um, and that's what I feel very passionate about doing, uh, not just for myself, but for, for the many, many uh, disabled stroke survivors. Um, as they, so one of the stroke treatments called TPA is called the clot buster. It's only been uh, in this world, and this is, don't quote me on this number, but like 30 years or so. So before, if you had a stroke, you just died. Um, it, you just died. Um, so the education um, with them being able to save more people and um, younger people having strokes, um, they're not used to that yet. Um, that education hasn't been developed fully. Uh, and when it comes to older people having strokes, they don't really, rehabilitation is very different. They send them home to be old and to not have a very active life. Whereas I was 34, I'm 37 now and I, I was expected to be
become the person I was before and, and people still sometimes have those expectations of me. And uh, that, that lack of education um, within the hospital systems about what it's really like and just to appropriately support people um, with long-term therapies, not just short-term therapies. There is endless amounts of long-term therapies. I will be doing therapy every single day of my life for the rest of my life. Um, and, and, and it helps, it makes a difference. And I hate the idea of, um, there's, a, there's sort of a standard uh, medical um, timeline that they give you in the basic recovery saying, you're gonna get the most back in the first three months. After six months, you're gonna plateau. And after a year, you're basically done. And when you, oh, I have some great reading materials, I'll give some book recommendations. Um, the, the truth is, as we learn more and younger people are recovering is that we're finding that it takes like some, uh, you know, five to eight years to feel like you've reached a baseline of recovery um, and uh, to, within that medical system, people trust their doctors and they receive that message that, that you're done and there's nothing left for you. And that's devastating. Um, it devastates, it devastated me and I, I, I refuse to believe it. And I got a second opinion. I've gotten a lot more therapy. So I learned, I learned that there is so much more for, for, for stroke victims and TBI victims to enhance their life and to continue to recover literally for the rest of their life. Um, and and I don't worry about the occupational therapist, the thing she said that like stayed with you forever. Oh yes. That, um, the, my favorite occupational therapist after, after I was released from the hospital, uh, and it was that day I was really struggling. I was kind of crying cause I, I was so frustrated with, um, with the lack of feeling in my right hand, it's very difficult at times. And um, she told me that uh, surviving a stroke or a brain injury is the hardest thing you will ever have to do in a medical situation. Um, because, and like, obviously this is just one person's opinion. I don't want anybody coming for me saying it's no. not correct. But um, like she said, cancer, people with cancer go in remission. You can beat cancer. People who have heart attacks can recover from heart attacks. Um, people with brain injuries, we're left with scars in our brains. It is, it is permanent damage. Uh, and the amount of symptoms and uh, damage that does to your body is, uh, is intense. I, I never, I listened to her, but I didn't really understand it uh, until about a year in when I realized I, I, I had pushed at every corner of my old life to try to become the, the person I was before. Uh, and that wasn't going to happen. Um, and I love that this is your message now. And this is what we want to get to, which this is like the good stuff. Well, that was, mm -hmm. that was all really good stuff. But this is the this is like your message, right? Which is yeah. like, accepting like there's beauty in being vulnerable and accepting that maybe that path that you thought you were always going to walk on is, um, doesn't work and you have to take a new one. And you were talking to me about neuroplasticity and like all this stuff. So give them, give them that. So, 
Neuroplasticity is one of the coolest things in the whole world. And this applies to brain injured patients as well as just you or your neighbor or whoever. Um, neuroplasticity in the most basic way is your brain finding new pathways and developing new uh, structures to relearn things that, that may have been broken or like, it's basically like kind of finding a new circuit in there to go to the same thing because you can't go through the one circuit anymore so it creates new pathways for you to learn new things and to relearn things that you have lost um, which is super cool and what's amazing to me is um, so my left carotid artery was torn in half and it was damaged for three weeks prior to like fully ripping and my brain and my blood vessels actually started to grow new blood vessels to um, to uh, to find new pathways because the blood flow is not going through my carotid artery correctly. So by the time I had the stroke, they could actually they were able to measure and see that new blood vessels had grown and some of my old blood vessels had enlarged to to correct the mistake and get the blood to my brain and get, get the pathways opened. Um, it, it's a little, it's, brains are cool. Are um, cool. And we have to protect them, you know, like eating crappy food and like- Wear a helmet everywhere. Just Even in bed. Um, yes. <laughs> but, you know, honestly, I think that this is important because you said like, this is permanent brain damage, but there is so much that we don't know and so much that we do know, but there are ways to correct things or find new pathways. And that has to be encouraging for you, like on a day-to-day -day basis, knowing how powerful your body is, how you survived this, you know, how you're, you Absolutely. know. And then like just expanding on the, the neuroplasticity thing that we had discussed is, um, I've learned that neuroplasticity, of course, exists in your mind and in your in your brain and in your blood vessels. That's a that's a physiological um, thing that um, you do have to work for. You have to do things over and over again to, to reteach yourself a lot of things. But um, for me, because of the permanent damage and the loss of my career and these things I loved, I uh, I. I, I tell myself that I took I took the neuro neuroplasticity um, into my real life because I kept trying to go on the same paths to be the same person. I wanted to go to networking events. I wanted to have my job back. I wanted to be be social and be in noisy places and go to restaurants and go to the blues fest. That's my favorite in the world, and. As I kept trying to go down those same paths, all I was hitting was dead ends and uh, and pain. So what I have learned is that neuroplasticity needs to come out of your life, out of your head and into your life. And I started do doing literally new things that I never would have considered doing. And some of them didn't work. I, I went down the path, I gave it all I had I, and I hit the wall and you're like, that path was not the one. So I turned around and I found a new one and I, I fail a lot. We, we take, I take a lot of different paths. I try a lot of different things and a lot of them don't work. But 
that that doesn't mean there's not another direction that I can try. And that has been probably one of the most amazing things to, to empower me in my recovery is that I never have to stop trying new things and new paths and not, and not just figuratively, but literally I will, I will, if, if I think I can do it and it might be possible, I'm going to go for it. And, um, you don't have to have a brain injury to take this advice. Um, I, I know we discussed it, um, very briefly, but I, I compare it very strongly to, um, the pandemic and the loss of a lot of people's careers and, ex, uh, and their, their ability to live the life they expected to be able to continue on with. We were all on this path, right? And now I, I sometimes I say that the pandemic just disabled 25% of America. You are now disabled by a medical condition that is beyond your control. And it might not be because you have the injury, but you're disabled. Um, and if you keep trying to do the same thing in a situation that it's not working, you're not helping yourself. Um, and sometimes I, I do pray that people can get back to what they love and what they've built. But I also pray that they understand that sometimes it's time to step back and try a new path and move forward and try something new and realize that maybe what they were doing was not intended to be there forever. And nobody promised anybody that any business would survive for the rest of their life. Um, and the sooner we can receive that message really in our hearts, I think a lot more people will be able to move on and find um, happiness again and find uh, success in a way that maybe they didn't expect or, or, or see coming. And, you know, like I always, I keep saying like, this is an opportunity time. If you find yourself stepping out of a job, a lot of women are leaving their jobs because it's too hard to work from home, have kids, like, mm -hmm. Like a lot of tons of women, I think it was 780,000 women left their jobs in comparison. This is on one of my blogs to like 70,000 men um, in September mm -hmm. or something alone. It was a crazy number. It was shocking. And it was like, okay, yes, we, we're all moving in different directions. We're all adjusting to the pandemic. It's interesting because I want to read some words that you said when we talked before, because they were so powerful. Mm -hmm. and I want them to be part of this podcast. You said, if the path you're on doesn't work, take a new one. Your choices are endless. It might hurt, it might break your heart, but when you do find something that works, it's like oxygen being put back into your body. Getting through your grief, this is when you start to thrive in whatever place you've been thrust into. You wanna to get to the other side of it. So having been an advocate for stroke survivors, now in the pandemic times, everybody is a survivor in some way. And if you're not failing, um, you know, you're lucky to be having that experience in this. Um, some companies are thriving as you and I yeah. have discussed. And so what can you, what can you build or what can you do right now that's going to um, evolve with changing times? You have such an optimistic mindset around it. And I think it is a good message for everyone to kind of hear right now. Um, um, absolutely. And, and, uh, and it's a, it's a heart-centered message and it's a powerful message to uh, that I think we that we really just need to keep reiterating is that um, where you are today that 
make that you are not happy with and and you feel stuck and you can't move forward your choice is to move on um, and your choice is to find a new path um, and uh, I think it's powerful and I I feel very blessed that I have found I found an opportunity that I feel connected with that accommodates my disabilities. I may who knows I don't know if I'll ever be a rich woman or a you know this you know the the version of success I saw myself with before the stroke. But I that. what's that? You're going beyond that, in my opinion. I'm and I'm here to help you with that too, obviously. Right. I was like, maybe that maybe my my direction and my purpose in this life was not to just promote a community. Maybe it is bigger than that to to empower people, to help my hope is that my education and my my advocacy can help save people's lives and save their recoveries and save their precious, precious brains. Um and that's what one thing you talked about. You were like, you know, everyone's trying to reopen their businesses right now, but like, did you really love running that business? You really want to, this is a pivot time. This is a pivot time for the whole country, for the whole world. Like, do you love what you're doing? Like, this is the moment to figure out how to do something every day that you enjoy doing. Absolutely. And to recognize the, you know, I hate to, you know, this might sound a little bit harsh to some people, but nobody ever promised you that your business was going to succeed forever, especially with small businesses. Um, it is a hard, hard thing to be successful in small business. Um, and uh, and we, we see pre-pandemic, we would see, especially, you know, in smaller communities, you see small businesses opening and closing all the time, despite COVID um, with, with normal life circumstances. And then you have to move on. Um, if you keep doing that, like, what are you doing to yourself? What are you doing for your life and your, and your livelihood if you keep beating at a door that's not opening? Um, right. Because and, we're not and, in an industrial age anymore. We're in an information age and like mm -hmm. the industry has changed every decade. Like think, mm -hmm. you ever think that you'd buy a CD and like you wouldn't have anywhere to play it? Come on, guys. Yeah, and then and like we and like you said, like if if people didn't adapt with industry, like 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 so the economy is not failing; it is changing, just like it has every ten years since since the beginning of time. Um, if if horse and buggies were the transportation and then cars came in and, and then you're mad because you can't sell your horse and buggy rides anymore, you probably should change your business. And if you record, if you made records and then eight tracks came out and you still tried to sell records or tapes came out and you still tried to sell the old things or CDs came out and you keep trying to sell cassettes or MP3s come out and audio recordings come out and you still try to sell CDs, that's on you. And I'm not being cold with that. It's just that we have adapted to uh, evolving and changing economics and businesses literally since the beginning of America. <laughs> yeah, this is um, just heating it up and really sticking it in our faces that like, you know, th this sector doesn't work and this sector does, you know, and like, yes. so it is in our face, but it also is in our capacity to educate ourselves and step up. And especially as women find things that we're passionate about, because when we're passionate about things, there's no stopping us, you know, and when we're curious about things, there's also no stopping us learning about them. So 
I mean, it is, I agree. Um, I think everyone's been affected in different ways. I think you're, you understand now that a lot of the public now feels what it feels like to live with a disability, to feel disabled, um, not by choice, you know, it's not people's choices to lose their companies, but, or to get sick. Um, but we do have mm -hmm. to kind of try to stay in a positive mentality around it. Um, and if you're, and if you're not, I think it's good to have people around you who are going to, you know, help you level up and help you not stay in a negative mindset. Cause people do get a negative mindset and it's okay, but you don't want to stay there for too long, you know? Yeah. And you don't want to stay in a place where you are just sitting there, sitting back, waiting for something to save you. Um, at the end of the day, like uh, we obviously want our government to support us and, and be kind uh, and provide a, a, you know, provide a successful, uh, you know, successful procedures and legislation, let it, let, let us straight, let it, oh my, I can't even <laughs> um, legislation that, um, of course we want them to protect us, but they are not accountable for us. Um, it is not their job to keep our businesses alive. Um, and as much as we want that to be the heart-centered mission, we are responsible for our own decisions. And I, and I don't want that to be a negative message. I want it to feel like an empowering message. You have the choice to move on from what is failing, whether it's because of COVID or a brain injury or because you just hate it. Um, there's there is endless possibilities in this in this country in this world and if you're ignoring all of them i'm i'm inviting you to open that door i think i want to give people a little background as to why you're so awesome and why you're <laughs> why you're why you're kind of tough because you told me i'm norwegian and somebody told me that i was going to have to learn how to hide my pain and yeah. I think that that's an interesting thing because when people tell us to learn how to hide our pain, they're essentially telling us to take something that doesn't feel good and stick it inside of our body somewhere where it's just gonna make us sick. Um, and so I think instead of doing that, what you've done is you've created a day that people can spread goodness and hopefully it will be contagious and more people will spread goodness and they'll just keep doing it. Um, and then you've also started this company that I want to just talk about very briefly, but so what are you doing now? So what's behind you? So we've got some plans. So, let, me hope you, let me see if you can kind of see it behind me here. I have these wonderful things. A friend actually um, gifted me one and they're, uh, they're called tower gardens uh, and they are, in, they can be used indoors or outdoors, but they have automatic lights and automatic watering systems. And they actually, the roots hang in the air, so they never actually settle in any water. So um, it reduces, um, when you see it, it's so, it's so cute when you pull the roots out and they're just completely clean and white. Um, and it's the, the absolute freshest way that you can eat your food. Even when you're ordering local, um, I love eating local farm food, but you still lose nutrition in the transport. Um, and so I can, turn around and like <laughs> I just eat it um, and I lose nothing I'm getting it straight from the living <laughs> I picked kale I shouldn't have picked the kale <laughs> okay we'll give you a second but so I'm 
all of your links in the site. If people want to sign up to get one of those, it's a monthly subscription. It's pretty cool. I was checking it out. Um, you can get it with um, lights without lights. Well, and it doesn't have to be a monthly subscription. They give you the they give you the option. There's the option to pay a monthly uh, pay it monthly with no interest, or you can pay for it in full. We just wanted to make it more affordable and accessible for people to be able to afford the product because um, not everybody has, um, you know, enough money to just drop it on the tower. They're not inexpensive. They're not crazy expensive, but they're not in, they're not low income, you know, so that pricing structure um, with the you with the 12 months is basically allows you to pay no interest monthly payment and get your tower going. Um, I, I was looking at something like that for my house a few months ago, cause I was like, I keep, I can't keep my herbs alive. Um, I, I have all these other plants growing in my house but I can't keep my herbs alive. And I, I do agree with you, like being able to know, grow your own food is so amazing. It goes along no with- recalls. So you just become a plant woman where health matters in all ways. <laughs> uh, absolutely and then there, there's a secondary aspect of the company um, which is it's called juice plus and it's actually like I call it Jetson's food because it's literally literally fruits and vegetables that have been dehydrated uh, and crushed and put into capsules and gummies um, like cool. so I can eat, I, I get 30 servings of real fruit and vegetables um, and I, and the health benefits, they've done medical, medical trials on it. There's real, real, um, education and immune power and diabetes and, and have brain health that I can confidently communicate about because it has been studied. So I've got my Jetsons food, I've got my tower garden. So I am, I'm just a happy little rabbit. So <laughs> It was a no-brainer for me with this company to engage um, because the, the product is valuable. Sorry, um, because the the product is valuable and it is the company has actually increased by by uh, I can't remember the exact percentage, but within a few months of the pandemic starting, it uh, went up like you know tenfold because we need healthy food and we need to rely on our food sources. And we, we need to talk more about um, how to keep our bodies strong and not just washing our hands and wearing masks. We have other tools to keep our bodies strong um, and functioning. So it's so much, it's like, it's a joy for me to be involved and, um, and to have this that I can that I can use my skills when I'm well and I can put it down when I'm not. Amazing. Okay, so do you wanna give us some of your books? And then at the very end, I wanna talk about when you said, you know, you can still find moments of happiness. Like let's remember that when you're going through things. So let's talk about that at the end, but what, do you wanna give out some, I'll put all your links in the podcast, um, description as I always do, but give us some of your books. I dropped, dropped it. So one of the most amazing books that um, whether you're a stroke survivor or you just want to understand better, um, it's called um, Stroke of Insight. Uh, and it was written by a neuroscientist who suffered a stroke. Um, and one, she's a great TED talk as well. And um, 
she, from the point of view of she, she realized she was having a stroke and she was like, oh, I'm going to be able to study myself. And then she realized that she was dying um, and that she needed to get help. So that's the stroke of insight. Um, it is an extremely good book. I um, mean, if you're not down for the book reading, she has an amazing TED talk. Her name is Jill Bolt Taylor. Um, and if you look up Stroke of Insight on any platform, you will find it. Nice. Uh, uh, I'm trying to remember the other resource that I wanted to give you. And I think my stroke brain is stroking out. Give it to me and I can put it in the, the thing later. But was it like a podcast or a film or something? Was it not? Oh, it was a film. That's it. Um, so um, if you wanted to get a, like a real hardcore experience of what it's like to have a stroke in the aftermath. Um, there's this amazing filmmaker, um, this young woman at 34, she had a stroke and um, I actually could, I've actually never been able to finish watching it. Um, I watched the first 12 minutes and it was so horribly accurate um, about like kind of, a, kind of a point of view experience of what it's like to have a stroke. Um, and um, it's it's a little it's a little traumatizing for me because it was it was really accurate. Yes, um, um, but it's called my beautiful broken brain, um, and I've and I've had many of my friends and family watch it, and they have it, it's really helped them to comprehend what it's like to go through the recovery. She kind of goes step. She kind of she recorded and uh, kind of had a video diary of her early. Um, stroke. So you really get to see um, a really powerful and difficult recovery and also this, the, 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 the success that she found through just embracing who she is and, and what she experienced. And she's, um, I think she's been world renowned now for her, for her documentary. Um, and it is, it is very powerful. And I think that's a, if you know somebody or have someone in your life who's had a stroke, like maybe you should watch that. So you have an idea of what they're going through. I mean, that if you can't. Absolutely. Um, okay. Amazing resources. Also, you had a TED talk scheduled. I did. March 12th <laughs> or March 20th. <laughs> yep. That got canceled thanks to COVID, but um, I look forward to. We're going to do one. So we're excited for that. I'll get there. I like uh, the goal's still there. The message is still there. And I look forward to, I look forward to just continuing to educate people and advocate and, and, and also, like we said, I, um, to remind them there's still joy, um, that you can still find joy and to fight for it. Um, it doesn't come easy all the time. And if you aren't, if you're not ready or willing to really fight for your happiness, you might not get it. Um, and when you do get it, like hold on with, with both hands and sink your teeth in like a pit bull because those moments will get you through it. Um, I'm very blessed to have so many incredible experiences since my stroke, so many horrifying nightmare experiences but equal and opposite, the most incredible experiences that keep me alive and keep me pushing towards wanting more of those and, and making those moments in my life. 
Okay, last question. If somebody mm -hmm. wants to get involved with your nonprofit or take part in the day, how do they do that? Um, well, two things. You can absolutely check out my website. It's spreadgoodnessday.com. Um, we have volunteer opportunities. You can just be um, kind of a liaison or ambassador in, uh, ambassador in your area. Sponsors are definitely welcome. Um, and uh, the more simple thing is just participate. On March 12, 2021, you can plan an event, you can get in, your school involved, your work, or you can just do something at home. If you have kids, um, do a little project with the kids to show them what kindness means. Like one of the favorite videos I've been sent is he's like, it must've been a five-year-old boy. And he said, I spread goodness today. I shared my ice cream with my sister <laughs> and he was so serious, but that is, that is kindness. So it, it can be as small as just a thoughtful gesture that maybe you wouldn't have done or as big as, you know, we've had uh, one of our major companies goes around town and passes out Lego kits to oh, kids, um, cookies flying everywhere, coffees being bought everywhere. So um, if you yeah, want to be involved, for sure, the goddess circle will definitely be involved. This is totally up our alley. If you guys don't follow her on Instagram yet, you need to. She dances for all sorts of things. It's the greatest thing ever from somebody who laid in a bed and thought it's going to be okay if I can never dance again to actually dancing again for causing for causes and for helping people. I mean, sister, you are just a... Uh, an amazing human being. Thank you so much for talking to us today. I well, feel thank you. I so feel I motivational speaking in your future. That's the goal. Um, <laughs> that's one of the goals. I've got a lot of dreams and I'm not quite ready to let go of all of them. Don't let go of any of them. <laughs> if people want to work with you for motivational speaking, they can get a hold of you through your Instagram, right? Yeah, so um, you can add uh, the two Instagrams. We have the Spread Goodness Day Instagram, and then my personal kind of advocacy platform is um, Surviving with Goodness. Um, because goodness, yes. goodness is a survival, a survival tactic um, without any question. Anytime I'm like feeling down on my life or I'm like, oh, poor me, like licking my wounds, I'm like, I have to go volunteer because there's so many people. Yep. Volunteering is like, or getting involved with helping people is the greatest way to getting yourself out of your own head. It uh, is. It absolutely is. Get right now. So get out there. It's a holiday, everybody. That means we're supposed to be cuddling and loving each other all day. Yeah. No fighting at Christmas dinner, everybody. <laughs> Never. <laughs> Never fighting with seven brothers and sisters. No. <laughs> I don't know how you do that. Um, well, thank you so much for your time. It's been amazing. Your mission is incredible. And I just hope that today everyone's inspired to go out there and spread a little goodness and get involved on March 12th every year and buy some plants and eat healthy straight from the source. Amen. Um, well, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much um, for helping me share my story and a wonderful conversation. Nothing in this podcast is a recommendation.
hey all you sea stars, goddesses, naiads, and Neptunes, aka the paradisiacs, who care about the important stuff. I hope you all found some inspiration today, and I hope to have your beautiful souls back for our next episode. This podcast supports a beautiful group of humans who gather on full moons, and to find a link for Howl and Heal, and for our website with these episodes, details, and blog, head to themelroseshow.com. You can also connect with me on IG at Melrose Wild or at the Melrose Podcast. Again, this is Melrose. I hope after you listen to this conversation, you feel some magic brewing in your own destiny. Thank you for listening and please subscribe or follow us to get updates on new episodes. And if you love this podcast, the best compliment is to rate us with five stars and maybe leave a little love note about how this podcast might be helping you. Have a wonderful day and may the forces of wholeness and growth be with you all. I'm not disabled and I do that stuff all the time. So I'm like, at least you have an excuse, you know, like, true. I do. <laughs> I, what is my excuse? I need to like do some neurology and like brain plasticity research on myself to see why I'm always forgetting things. It's very scary. Yeah, I think that I don't think we were born to have to remember as much as we're being exposed to these days. Yay.